Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unformidable, where we look back at some of the less heralded players in our beloved franchise's quirky history, because to us, anyone who dons the orange and blue is in some way unformidable. Just a coincidence, I guess, that for the second straight week we're looking at a left-handed reliever. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that, as we approach the 2022 trade deadline, I thought for sure the Mets would in fact add a left-handed reliever at the piece that they seem to need more than any other piece, but hey, what do I know? I mean, I still can't believe the Mets had to trade four human beings for one Darren Ruff, but again, what do I know? Not a GM, nor am I qualified to be one. I might have said keep one or two of those two players for Darren Ruff, and we also need a left-handed reliever and use the other two accordingly, but I digress. This week I thought I'd look back at a trade deadline acquisition that was... uh, not as successful a Met as the very popular and successful left-hander uh, Ray Sadecki that we looked at last week. Not a trade deadline acquisition, an off-season acquisition. But this week we'll look at a left-handed reliever who was less successful as a Met and as a ball player than Ray Sadecki. Uh, he does, did have, as we'll see at the end, a very successful post-baseball life. But uh, we'll look at someone who is significantly less popular with the fan base and with his teammates, as a matter of fact, than Ray Fideki was. Uh, while he didn't excel here, 
uh, though I, you know, I'd have to admit it wasn't exactly entirely Jeff Musselman's fault that he wasn't beloved. I mean, it isn't easy to come to New York, to come to Queens when you've been traded for Mookie Wilson. Jeffrey Joseph Musselman was born June 21st, 1963, in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, though he grew up in Ocean County, New Jersey, about 50 miles east of Philadelphia, the eldest of five children. His father, Don, was the athletic director at baseball hotbed Tom's River North High School. He later served as vice principal at Tom's River South as well. Uh, Musselman grew up in South Jersey, so in the area he grew up in, he grew to love Steve Carlton. And yeah, wouldn't you know it, it was Tom's River. He played high school ball with Mark Leiter, uh, never played with Al. Uh, Al was a freshman uh, when Jeff was a senior in 1981, uh, so never on the same squad there. In his senior year in high school, Musselman went 10-4 and with a 0.93 ERA, and scouts from both the Phillies and the Mets apparently were regularly coming to see him, but he went undrafted. But the young man had a pretty good fallback plan to not making the majors, as he turned down a scholarship offer from Princeton to inst- instead attend Harvard as an economics major. Musselman pitched well at college, as well as in the Cape Cod League, where he played a couple of years. Um, And so when he graduated Harvard, he was selected by the Toronto Blue Jays in the sixth round of the 1985 June amateur draft. Did seem to be an element of Musselman having to convince teams that he was serious about a baseball career. I guess they don't like it when you have a Harvard economics degree as a fallback plan if you don't make it through the minors on that pittance of a salary and uh, whatnot. Uh, But Musselman uh, signed, went to the minors, and generally pitched very well in the minors, uh, striking out more than one batter an inning at most of his stops, Uh, only spent really two, two and a half years in the minors, and he was really looked at as one of Toronto's best pitching prospects in an organization that felt it had quite a few of them, including Todd Stottlemyre and Jose Mesa at the time. But after not quite, uh, basically a year and a half in the minors, uh, like after the 85 draft and 86, uh, the Jays found themselves in a pennant race, and even uh, their general manager at the time, Pat Gillick, later said that they may have rushed Musselman to the majors as the team in the middle of a pennant race wanted to fill a need for a lefty in the pen. Makes me wonder who the Mets will panic rush to the majors this year, probably Francisco Alvarez or something. But thanks to being drafted out of college, Musselman was a shade over 23 at the time he made his major league debut on September 2nd of 1986. He came in at the top of the ninth with uh, the Blue Jays trailing Cleveland 5-2, and he had a very rough major league debut. The first batter he faced was Tony freaking Bernazard. I couldn't believe that. I mean, he might need to be a, an unformidable despite never playing for the Mets, just for fighting minor leaguers, and oh, that's a tale. I'm digressing. At any rate, after Bernazard singled, Musselman would walk Brett Butler, uh, work around a stolen base to Bernazard, uh, get Julio Franco to ground out, former former podcast subject Julio Franco, um, but then he had to intentionally walk Joe Carter to load the bases and get pulled. Uh, the ensuing pitcher gave up a bases-clearing double, leaving Musselman with the unenvious third-of-inning, three-earned-run Major League debut. He'd be used sparingly down the stretch as Toronto faded to the Red Sox, of course, who would 
go on to the 1986 playoffs and World Series that year, as you may be aware. Um, and it was kind of the beginning, or I think 85 might have been, but you know, Toronto, of course, before they won a couple of championships, really had that kind of reputation as a franchise that uh, would choke uh, really, really fortified or uh, locked in the following year. Uh, Musselman spent all of 87 uh, with was a really good Blue Jays team. I believe they won 96 games that year. Um, he pitched well out of the pen, uh, winning 12 games and saving three of them. On April 20th of 1987, uh, Musselman would get his first career victory uh, once again against Cleveland. Uh, he came, The Blue Jays staged an amazing comeback. They were down six... One, two, three, four, five, six to two... Uh, going into the top of the ninth inning against Cleveland, scored five runs in the top of the ninth to go ahead seven to six. Uh, Musselman came on in the bottom of the ninth, uh, but surrendered a home run to Corey Snyder, which tied the game. Uh, Toronto would strike right back in the top of the tenth on a Kelly Gruber RBI single, uh, and Musselman would stick in for the tenth inning. Uh, retiring the in, retiring the Indians in order, uh, Julio Franco, Pat Tabler, and Joe Carter. Uh, Franco and Carter, once again, who he faced in his Major League debut, uh, this time in the two innings, one hit, one run, uh, a blown save, I believe also the first in his career, but his first career victory as well. Musselman had three career saves, all in 87 as well. Uh, this first of his career was on May 25th of 1987 against the Seattle Mariners, uh, saving the game for Jimmy Key, a uh, 6-5 game in which he came in in the bottom of the ninth, and again, uh, in order, retired. Uh, interesting. Uh, Tom Hinkey came in uh, to close out the game and walked the leadoff hitter. Uh, Musselman retired Harold Reynolds and then Got a double play grounder out of John Moses for a scoreless bottom of the ninth to record the save. Really an impressive uh, 87 for Musselman, the best year of his career. He uh, re- he appeared in 68 games and pitched 89 innings, and he even has some black ink on his uh, baseball card or baseball reference uh, page. Uh, he was 12-5 and five that year, an amazing 12 wins for a reliever, giving him a 7.06 winning percentage, which led the league that year. However, despite it being a great year, it would end poorly for both Musselman and the Blue Jays. In 87, Toronto really uh, cemented that reputation that they wouldn't shed until they won back-to-back World Series in 92-93 by blowing a three-and-a-half three and game lead the Tigers over the last seven games of the season, uh, losing their last seven, including four straight to the Tigers. Musselman would pitch in two of those games against the Tigers. Uh, One, a very famous game in the pennant race, uh, where the Tigers tied the game uh, 1-1 in the top of the ninth on a home run by Kirk Bleepin Gibson. Doyle Alexander, who famously helped pitch the Tigers to the division title down the stretch that year, but cost them John Smoltz, pitched 10 and two-thirds innings in that game of one-run ball. Musselman came on in the 11th and surrendered what could have been the deciding run, a home run to Darrell Evans to put the Tigers ahead 2-1, but the Blue Jays would tie it in the bottom of the 11th at 2 uh, before the Tigers would go on to win in the top of the 13th, again on a Kirk Gibson RBI single, uh, winning the game 3-2. And with the two teams in a dead heat in 
game 161 of the season, uh, Musselman would actually take the loss in the 12th inning of a 3-2 Tiger win at Tiger Stadium uh, in the bottom of the 12th inning. Uh, Alan Trammell would uh, single in a run uh, after Musselman surrendered a pair of singles and walked Kirk Gibson. Uh, Trammell would drive in the winning run, giving the Tigers the lead in the division for, uh, I don't know if it was the first time all year, but uh, caught the Jays in game 161, and they'd win the final game to avoid a playoff and win the division. Musselman missed the beginning of the 1988 season due to shoulder surgery. Uh, When he came back, he came back as a starter and pitched very well uh, at first, going 8-5 with a 3.18 ERA over 15 starts overall. Uh, Started off that year 5-1 with a 1.46 ERA over his first eight starts, but you know, kind of came a little bit back down to earth on the latter half of the year. Spring training of 1989 was pretty notable for uh, Musselman's story for his life, and also how it will soon intersect with the Mets, as uh, I remember this pretty vividly, actually. There was an incident in the spring of 1989 when the Mets and the Blue Jays faced each other in spring training uh, that, you know, well, no brawl is innocuous, but it didn't seem like it would be a big deal until Musselman was traded to the team later in the year. Uh, but Musselman got ejected from a spring training game after hitting Daryl Strawberry in the back with a pitch. Uh, it was a pretty clear retaliation for a couple of innings earlier when Ron Darling had plunked Toronto's Jesse Barfield. Uh, Strawberry charged the mound. Uh, the the fighting Mets were, even without Ray Knight, were still fighting in the late 80s. Uh, and I kind of remember... Uh, Musselman, you know, this kind of scrawny, as I remember him, lefty reliever fleeing the mound uh, to avoid getting attacked by, avoid taking on Daryl directly. I mean, Daryl was a large man. And uh, in fact, I think uh, Kelly Gruber got uh, got the worst of straw. He kind of came in to try and protect Musselman and got an elbow from Strawberry. Uh, and, you know, it just seemed like a funny spring training story, uh, you know, big in the New York news. Uh, as the Mets were back then, but then it became a little more interesting when Musselman came to the Mets at the trading deadline later in 89. He went through a lot personally before coming to the Mets. Uh, He struggled throughout spring and early in April of 89 uh, before uh, he was about to be sent down, but uh, he uh, wound up reporting uh, for treatment for alcohol addiction, which was something he said he, you know, developed and grew worse over his baseball career, uh, went away around mid-April to rehab and returned late in May after a four-week stint uh, in inpatient treatment for alcohol addiction. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Blue Jays sent him to the minors when he got back in, in late May to kind of get back into pitching shape, uh, kind of have another spring training. And he came up very briefly before getting traded down the stretch to the New York Mets. As the July 31st, 1989 trading deadline approached, the Montreal Expos were in first place in the National League East by a game and a half over the Cubs, five over the Cardinals, six over the Mets, who were only 53 and 49. But they were still the Mets, you know, coming off their second NL East title in three seasons, uh, you know, veteran team still in win mode. I often, you know, l- l- latter Met years, like, uh, you know, the Casimir-Zambrano trade, the Mets seem kind of foolish for uh, going all in, uh, you know, perhaps last year for Javi Baez, who was fun to watch, but didn't really think the Mets were making the playoffs when they made that trade last year. Then somehow they stand pat this year. But I digress. I'm sorry. Uh, we're looking back in this podcast, not forward. Just to say that uh, it was not a surprise and that the Mets would go all in in 89, and it you know, did, not only didn't phase me, I was all gung-ho about it as a young Met fan. Uh, they traded five pitchers for Minnesota Twins ace Frank Viola uh, to add the former Cy Young winner to their starting rotation, which seemed to make perfect sense, but in a Surprising, quirky, smaller move they, move they sent off Mookie Wilson, beloved franchise icon, for left-handed relieving specialist Jeff Musselman. And you know, as this podcast has developed, I've tried to only occasionally drop in, you know, personal feelings and anecdotes. Uh, I never know how far to go with it. Um, sometimes I avoid it because I know I'm mostly just cynical and snarky, uh, especially when it comes to the Mets. And as you start talking about people and reading about their lives, I start realizing they're real people. And maybe I shouldn't be bitching about them so much. But look, we're talking about Mookie Wilson here. Um, Pretty much everyone's, one of the most beloved Mets of all time, everyone's favorite Met, right? And, And Mookie was beloved before the play. He was a rare, bright light when he came up in 1980 for just a terrible team. Just exciting electric player to watch, hustled all the time, and about the kindest person you could see with the fans. This is something I really do say personally. Mookie came to my Baseball League's awards dinner when I was eight uh, after the 1981 season. When he finished, I think, seventh in the Rookie of the Year race, he signed autographs, spoke with us. Uh, Just such an incredibly lovely person. Uh, as he always seemed to be in his career. Um, I grew up in the Bronx and Yonkers. I was one of the only Met fans there, and to this day, just one of my fondest childhood memories. Uh, He and Hubie Brooks, who was third place in the All-Star voting that year, made it seem for the first time in ages, and certainly for the first time in my entire lifetime, that the Mets had a hopeful future. Um, Never mind that Mookie also stuck around when that future came to fruition, played well, and was involved in the iconic play in franchise history. Um, all of this is to say, maybe it's not your fault, Jeff Musselman. I have a feeling he would have had to single-handedly pitch the Mets to the playoffs in 1989 to win uh, a large segment of Met fans over, and certainly myself, after coming over for Mookie Wilson. And suffice to say, uh, he did not. <laughs> Shortly after the trade deadline, the Expos came to Shea for a huge series 
uh, in early August, I think, 3rd, 4th, 5th, or 4th, 5th, 6th. I have to look at the dates. Uh, and the Mets would sweep the series, uh, possibly Musselman's highlight in a Met uniform, or at least, uh, at least when it looked like things were moving in the right direction. Musselman had taken a loss in his Met debut against the Cardinals, uh, but on August 6th, looking to sweep the series from the Expos on Sunday afternoon in front of 44,000 at Shea. The game went an incredible 14 innings as Sid Fernandez and Kevin Gross uh, dueled. Uh, Sid went 8 innings, struck out 10. The game remained knotted at 1 into the 13th inning. Musselman came on and pitched around a pair of singles, uh, got a double play ground ball and a caught stealing to uh, to exercise those. Uh, presumably the Mets were pretty short. Uh, the bullpen muscleman came back out for the 14th. Uh, once again, uh, surrendered a single and a walk. Uh, Otis Nixon stole third, uh, winning run at third with one out, but muscleman got Tim Raines to pop out and Tim Wallach to ground out. And in the bottom of the 14th, Kevin McReynolds let off the inning with a home run, giving the Mets a 2-1 win, a sweep of the Expos, uh, and with them four games out of first uh, because the Cubs had passed the Expos in the interim. Uh, at the time, I sincerely believed uh, the division was going to come down to the Mets and the Cardinals. That's just how it always seemed to be. 84, it, well, 84 the Cubs did, but 85, 86, 87, 88... I was riding high. The Mets were gonna pull off a comeback and take, you know, with Frank Viola, Sid Fernandez, Doc Gooden. Figure they'd rage through and win the division again, but instead they just really put the Cubs in first. And it would get tighter as it went along. At one point, I think the four teams were only separated by two or two and a half games in late August. Musselman got another win in relief of Sid in mid-August. That was a pretty uh, memorable game as well. Uh, he retired six batters in a row with the Mets down 2-1 at Shea. Gary Templeton, Ed Whitson, Bip Roberts, and then in the top of the ninth, Roberto Alomar, Tony Gwynn, and Jack Clark. Uh, no small feat. And with the Mets down 2-1 in the bottom of the ninth, uh, future Steinbrenner punching bag Ed Whitson, or actually probably past Steinbrenner punching bag at that point. Ed Whitson uh, surrendered a home run to Kevin McReynolds again to tie the game, and then after Barry Lyon singled, Kevin Elster doubled down the line to give the Mets a walk-off win and give Musselman his third and final win in a Mets uniform. But a little more indicative of the Musselman experience as I remember it was a game a couple of weeks later against the Padres where he went an inning and two-thirds and walked four in a Ninth, 9-4 to four loss to the Padres on August 26th. Following day, the Mets would rally to, in a game they were losing by a lot to be behind 8-7 in the 6th, and Musselman would come in and walk Roberts and surrender a homer to Alomar to put the game a little bit further out of reach. And the piece de la résistance uh, for the Mets, I mean, uh, yeah, they, they, I don't think they ever got within one and a half or two of the Cubs uh, once it got September hit, uh, but they had a series in Wrigley in mid-September uh, where both trade deadline acquisitions failed badly. Uh, Viola took the hill against the Cubs and took the loss in a 10-6 game, giving up six runs after the Mets staked him to a 3-0 lead. Uh, the Mets cut it to 6-4, and Musselman came on in the bottom of the eighth and promptly surrendered 
three runs in the bottom of the eighth as the Cubs put the Mets in the rearview mirror, uh, going up by, I believe, by six and a half games after that win. And that series effectively ended any faint dreams of a repeat division championship. In addition to not <clears throat> being at its best, uh, necessarily con- consistently pitching-wise, there was an incident between Musselman and Strawberry uh, where uh, on the team bus ride after a game where the two got, uh, Strawberry got kind of launched into a drunken tirade at him regarding the spring training incident. Uh, this after Musselman uh, said that Strawberry welcomed him very warmly at the actual time of the trade. And it's something that Musselman, you know, pretty much said that he understood, uh, you know, in later years, uh, said that he understood because of his struggles with alcoholism and he knew that it was coming from a place uh, of of that with Daryl, his own struggles with that. Musselman struggled uh, with the 1990 Mets. He was 0-2 with a 5.40 ERA over the first half of the season before getting sent to back down to AAA Tidewater. <clears throat> he started there and pitched pretty well before coming back up in September. Once again, the Mets were in a pennant race, this time trying to chase down the Pittsburgh Pirates. And again, uh, Musselman appeared in two games in September, where any faint Met playoff or division hopes, there was only a division then, uh, would fall away. Uh, the Mets on September 6th uh, would lose big to the Pirates, 7-1. Uh, to one. Uh, star- su- Starter Julio Valera surrendered five runs over the first two innings. Uh, Musselman came on in the fourth uh with the Mets down 5 nothing, would surrender a sack fly to Bobby Bonilla uh, to let the Pirates extend the lead to uh, 6 nothing. The next day, Musselman would come on in relief of David Cohn with the Mets down 2-1. Uh, nobody on. Musselman would kind of implode, giving up singles to Dykstra, Charlie Hayes, and Von Hayes, turning a 2-1 lead into what uh, would turn into a, a 2-1 deficit into a 4-1 Phillies victory. And Cohn kind of uh, ripped into Buddy Harrelson after the game for pulling him, which did seem a questionable decision at the time. Musselman wouldn't appear in the majors again. He would uh, go to spring training with the Indians in 1991 and get released in March, and then catch on with the Oakland A's, where he would pitch with them in AAA in 91 and 92. Musselman was pitching well in Tacoma in AAA in 92, and uh believe that a return to the majors might be imminent, but a truly scary incident uh, intervened. Musselman had a heart attack at the age of 29, I believe. Doctors had to perform CPR on the way to the hospital, uh, which saved his life, uh, but he had a second heart attack at the hospital and had to have surgery to dissolve a blood clot in his shoulder and uh, repair the damage. Musselman obviously, uh, I shouldn't say obviously, Musselman survived, but the heart attack did end his career. Shortly after his career ended, he went to work for his agent, Scott Boris. And if you look up Jeff Musselman on LinkedIn, you'll see that he's a vice president at Boris Corp, uh, currently in Newport Beach, California. For his major league career, Musselman had a career record of 23-15 and 15 with a 4.31 ERA, he appeared in 142 games, uh, 19 of them starts, uh, three saves in his career, uh, 248 and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, he struck out 125 batters. 
walked 123. Not the best strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, in fact, his career whip was 1.496. Uh, his career war, according to baseball reference, was 0.8 for his whole career. Before I even look at similar pitchers, I remember uh, for, for newer listeners, I, I was thinking of Muscle Man. He gave me a real Scott Schoenweiss vibe. I mean, I hate... Again, I hate criticizing. I just, like, I did not have confidence when he came in the game. He seemed to nibble a lot around the plate, walk a lot of batters, and eventually give up the big hit, especially if he was left in to face a righty. Uh, that's my memory of him. But uh, not not a similar pitcher, according to baseball reference. In fact, I don't really recognize any of the names who are listed as players with similar careers to Jeff Musselman. Oh, well, it was worth a shot. As a Met, Musselman had a record of 3-4. and four. Uh, He was 3-2 and two in 1989, and 0-2, a 5.63 ERA in 1990, where he really struggled. 58 and a third innings pitched as a Met, 25 walks, 25 strikeouts, a 4.47 ERA. And he took Mookie Wilson away from us. But you never know which way the trade deadline winds are going to blow and which way the results are going to bounce and hopefully they work out well for the Mets this year in 2022. In either event, Jeff Musselman, still an unformidable piece in the franchise's fabric. Thank you for listening to Unformidable. Uh, Please go to AmazingAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. You can follow Amazing Avenue on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram. You can find this and all of our Amazing Pods wherever you get your podcasts. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets.